If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, off-season momentum's for newspapers and uh, fans on websites. Uh, like I said, it's time to prove it. Uh, I hope our guys are ready for that. I think they're going to have more confidence going into this year because of the way they look, the way they feel, the way they can move, how much stronger they are. I think they're a tighter-knit group now. So the off-season's gone well. But it doesn't really matter until the rubber hits the road and we get tested. And then we need to see if the progress that we made is going to make a difference. I feel like the thing that we needed was direction. We just needed direction on which way we needed to go. We were eager to work hard. Uh, one thing that the staff told us is said we didn't have to coach you working hard. All the guys here are working hard. We just need the proper direction. You know, it's just point me where I need to go. I'll, I'll give you my all and I'll be there. Like, I don't even know what games we have, you know, what time, and you know. Bring me to the game. Point me at the guy I need to hit, I'm going to hit him. I, I just need direction. That's what I needed. I knew how to work hard. I knew football. Now I just needed to bring it together, and this is the staff that was able to do it. And hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Guys, we made it. We're here. Nebraska opened up fall camp. They'll be practicing here all weekend, as you just heard from Scott Frost and Tanner Farmer, as we are ready to roll, guys. And um, you could just feel it. You could feel the excitement. You could feel the juice. You could see it on the message boards on our website around the state of Nebraska. We have waited a long time to get to this day. We're finally here. And you could just sense with the players, their excitement level, their level of trust, just everything this offseason has meant to them. And now they're ready to get out there, Robin, and go. You know, we're trying our best to contain the Kool-Aid chugging that usually goes on in every offseason, especially – with what's gone on over the past seven months or so. But uh, what happened on Thursday and what was said on Thursday, it's going to be really hard to keep people in check. Um, I mean, these players are jacked up, and they are determined that this will not be a rebuilding year by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I think they truly believe that. Um, you played a bit of Tanner Farmer's comments in the open. I mean, he was on fire and, you know, really, um, I think, struck a chord with not only everybody on the team and some of the players that followed him in that press conference, uh, but with Nebraska fans that read it and watched the video. Uh, I think people were ready to run through a wall after that. And, you know, I think that that is the type of buy-in that is necessary for this thing really to get on track. And, you know, whatever this season holds, fine. But culturally, you can tell that Scott Frost and his staff have done an exceptional job of just rebuilding the confidence and just the belief within these players after what happened last season and the disaster that was before this. Yeah, I think every year in the the fall press conference, people are – optimistic and excited to go but it just seemed a little bit different this year you know the, the players seem to be drinking the kool-aid i, I think that um you know their confidence level when well, they presented tangible evidence yeah. of why it was different last year and i mean they they kind of threw some people under the bus yeah well yeah they they they're not afraid to to call out people or or to to go ahead leadership and, yeah to go ahead and say you know that the, the way they had been doing things was definitely broken and and uh uh, and I just I feel like all those all the players, the coaches, everyone's got a lot of confidence, and and they're extremely excited to to get on that football field. Well, guys, and we're seeing what it's really all about now. You've got a president, a chancellor, an athletic director, a head coach, all on the same page right now. And the players talked about that. The leadership is all in one direction right now. There's not this guy or that guy with his own agenda or his own ideas, kind of pulling a head coach in one way or another or fighting political pressure to kind of keep Tom Osborne in the background and not in the forefront of things of Nebraska football. Not only do you have Ronnie uh, Green, Scott Frost, Bill Moose, Hank Bounds, 
but you have Tom Osborne. And you heard Scott Frost say, I want Tom Osborne around as much as possible. And anybody that's associated with Nebraska football that is not aligned with Tom Osborne, you're going to have a hard time to win here. We've, we've seen two other guys that really weren't aligned with things because of leadership and other things. To me, that's where it starts. The, the leadership and how it's lined up and the direction things are going with that leadership. Well, it's just how Bill Moose said it in his opening press conference. You know, you got to embrace the past with look, while looking forward to the future. And um, that's about as good of a mix as you could possibly get with what they've been able to assemble here. Uh, you have people that understand football, first and foremost. Lawyers aren't running the show anymore. Uh, I mean, that's a big thing where you're not worried about uh, you know, potential lawsuits with working out too hard or you know doing anything to uh, get bad press. I mean, this is a t- this is a administration, uh, an athletic department, and a coaching staff that is completely, like you said, Sean, 100% in line and are all on the same page with what it's going to take. And to all get the this good ones are back. like that. Exactly, you have to. I mean, it's unquestioned. Go down every single um, top football program in the country and you have this type of dynamic um, throughout the university and athletic department and so nebraska took a giant step towards establishing that foundation from the very top on to the very bottom of what is going to need to happen for nebraska to get back to where it used to be well i think it comes down to trust again you know you heard the players say well we trust the coaches well i think the administration trusts the coaches to run things and and they're letting the football guys run football and they're getting out of their way and just letting them do their thing and um yeah yeah, you're right there's no red tape that that's involved here I think that the uh, dudes are back in charge yeah and that's the way (laughs) that's the way it needs to be I mean every successful program like you said Robin every successful program out there is is you know they have full control of what they're doing uh the head coach has carte blanche with what they're Mm -hmm. doing and that's what Scott Frost has right now and you, you heard some of the strength and conditioning stories, and, and that was, to me, maybe some of the most eye-opening things we heard this week, just how players were told in the past, like, oh, if you don't want to try this way, don't worry about trying it. Or, you know, th- there was, a, like, a fear of failure at that point where, you know, guys were not pushed to try and go the limits, and that's not the case anymore. I, I, I think you, you can see that with the numbers and, and everything these guys have talked about with what Zach Duvall has been able to do in the weight room. It's the exact opposite to where you don't have the option of trying it or not. You are going to try it. Either you're going, you're going to lift it or you're going to run the right time or you're going to fail. And failing is okay because you know what? You're going to get up and try it again later in the day or tomorrow, and eventually you're going to do it. Uh, and I think getting guys out of their comfort zone pushing their limits to where you know they're doing things they never fathomed they'd be doing physically um, that is how you establish not only just the physical gains you need to be a good trust. football team you get the trust you get the self-confidence and that are it's all these layers of intangibles that i think were completely overlooked over the past few years are being emphasized now and that is how you build that culture and why we've seen such a dramatic shift in just the, how this football team carries itself and the confidence and belief they have in themselves compared to where we were just a few months ago yeah well if you give guys an easy way out you they're going to take yeah, it a lot of guys are human gonna, nature Exactly. You're going to you're going to take the path of least resistance and there is no easy way out now. Like you said, it's there's no try. It's do or do not. And if you don't do it, you're going to you're going to get up and do it again until you until you get it done. And um, and I think, yeah, it's just a whole culture shift. And, and you can tell that the players are completely bought into that. And there's no there's no looking back. Everyone's definitely looking forward. Guys, and I'm going to say this now, too, when you look at this change, I don't know if there could have been a better time. You look at the state of the Big Ten at this point, Jim Harbaugh um, at Michigan and, and the, the troubles there, but now the most recent with Urban Meyer on administrative leave at Ohio State. Man, I mean, the, the situation Scott Frost has walked into in this league to make a move. Now, it's going to take time. No one's saying it's going to happen this year, uh, but Nebraska football, I think, has a real opportunity the next two to three years especially if you see some shakeups in Michigan and Ohio State over that time period uh, to come in and, and make some noise. And I think Kirk Ferentz could be in his last year or two at Iowa. Uh, you know, Brian Ferentz is probably going to take over there in the next couple of years is kind of the report you hear. Uh, but, man, I, I, I just think if it continues on the path it's on and, and we see – the results, the improvements. Nebraska football is a real opportunity here the next two or three years. Yeah, the window is wide open right now, uh, and it might not take very long for Nebraska to charge their way through it. I mean, with just looking back at the course of this offseason, literally everything has gone right. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of hiccups, you know, with the start of conditioning with some guys um, not quite being ready for, you know, what was entailed there. 
but with every roster attrition, I mean, you didn't lose any key pieces. You gained significantly big pieces, potential starters, uh, guys that were borderline questionable. I mean, yeah, they lost the Canty kid uh, to Juco, but I mean, for the most part, you're getting guys qualified. You're getting them on campus and immediately eligible. And so all the things that they wanted to happen are happening. And so this thing is on the fast track to being very good very quickly. Uh, and this is kind of par for the course with how Scott Frost has done everything. Yeah, I think in the past you used to uh, kind of assume the worst case yeah. scenario <laughs> and, and prepare yourself for, for the uh, for the worst. And, and I don't think that's the case anymore because time after time when, when there's been something that's happened, it's usually going Nebraska's way right now. And, um, and I think the league has been waiting for Nebraska to be Nebraska. Uh, I think when Nebraska, when the Huskers joined the Big Ten, they were expecting um, you know them to bring something to the conference, and it really hasn't happened yet. Uh, but I think they're they're on the path to being able to, to go through that door and, and make a little noise. All right, we have a full show here on tap as we get you ready for the start of fall camp. Uh, we're also going to hear from Steve Rosen, our Husker Online business writer. Well, we caught up with Steve this week in studio. A lot of recruiting topics. Nate and I, though, are going to address Maurice Washington and Dominic Watnelm in our final segment. But more fall camp talk when we come back. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. If we have anybody going into the season think this is going to be a rebuilding year, uh, we're not going to accomplish as much as if we attack it. Um, it, It's a natural progression when you have a team that is coming off a tough season that you have to first get them thinking they can win and then get them knowing they can win and then get them to expect to win. And I'm not sure where we are in that process right now, but confidence and self-efficacy and believing it can get done is a big part of success uh you know me being a senior you know we don't we don't want to have a rebuilding year. you know this year you know we're goal our goal is you know win a big 10 championship you know and then nothing less than that you know so every day we go out to practice you know that's what's on our mind you know winning a big 10 championship and having that mentality when you go out to practice you know and that's that's what our goal is to achieve and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was Scott Frost and Dedrick Young on the dreaded word rebuild. As Nebraska enters this season, Vegas has them about, a, I think it's up to six and a half now, guys. Yep. Uh, I still don't buy that five and a half. I mean, I'm sure there was an early one out there, but I, I you just look at the schedule. Nebraska's going to be favored in six games at home for sure. And there's three kind of swingish type games, Michigan State, Iowa, Northwestern. Um, but nonetheless, you know, Nebraska, the players don't want to hear that rebuilding talk as uh, we talked to several of them here on Thursday uh, before the start of practice. And rightfully so. I mean, there's, I don't know any team, Robin, that goes into a year saying, you know what, new staff, we know we're going to lose. Um, you know, if we get to a bowl game at 6-6, six and six, this will be a successful season. Yeah, and I think a lot of this is if you sit there and talk about what this year is going to be, if you're not like Tanner Farmer, again, keep referencing him, he said (laughs) it the best is, uh, you know, he's not worried about what is realistic expectations. His expectation is to win a national championship as a senior. And uh, as Frost said, if you don't believe that you are going to compete for a championship, why are you stepping on the field? Why are you playing football? I mean, what, what is the point if you're already before you even made your first fall practice? submitting to the fact that you're only going to barely compete for a bowl game. I mean, I, I th- that it's just a mentality shift, and it's just further evidence of how these guys, you know, regardless of what the reality of the situation is, fully believe that they are much better than anyone is giving them credit for. And that's the first step in, you know, building this thing and, and taking this thing to the next level and surpassing what expectations are, which have been a pretty low bar of late. Well, and all the guys that talked at the press conference were seniors, and if you're a senior, you definitely don't want to hear the word rebuild because especially when you're coming off a four-win season, these guys are hungry to, to taste some success, and they've been busting their, their butts. I mean, they've been working really hard, and uh, I think when you combine that hard work with uh, the bad taste from last season um, and, and knowing that a lot of the guys that talked today, you know, this is their last go-around. They're, they're definitely not setting the bar or settling for, for mediocrity. They're, they're they're wanting to go get whatever they can get and and so why yeah why settle for anything less than shooting for a national championship you know guys and i think what's going to make camp interesting is the number of new faces on this roster 51 new guys added to the team uh, but particularly 10 junior college and division one transfers so it's going to even have a different feel than spring ball with the amount of new blood added into what the you know the current team already had 
Um, so t- there's just so many intriguing things. When I, when I look at the secondary, it's probably the thing that jumps out to me the most. Mm-hmm. I, I look at five guys right now coming in and really shaking up that party. Deontay Williams, who was here in the spring. Will Jackson, a new junior college transfer. Trey Neal, new graduate transfer. Then Cam Jones and Cam Taylor. And you heard a little bit about Cameron Taylor already, the gains he made. Uh, I forget what player it was, Robin, but they said that he made, Cameron Taylor – just reshaped his body, and I know he had a great summer, and he's a true freshman corner. Uh, Nate, and you can probably speak on him more than anybody. He's a guy that could come in and, and, and be a surprise recruit. Well, yeah, and he's – I mean, he's a total wild card uh, right now. But he, he played quarterback in high school, so no one's really seen him work at, at corner. I mean, he's a heck of an athlete. We know that. Uh, but I think that with, uh, with what he was able to accomplish this summer, he definitely is going to have an opportunity there in that secondary with as thin as they are. And, I mean, they, the, the coaches have made no bones about the, them wanting to have a lot of competition back there and that nobody has a job wrapped up in that secondary right now, especially at the cornerback position. So a guy like Cam Taylor uh, conceivably could come in as a true freshman and, and you know, take someone's job right now. And uh, that's what's going to be, you know, fun to kind of see how that all plays out because uh, these in- incoming guys, whether they're uh, transfers or, or junior college guys or true freshmen, uh, they're all going out to grab a job and, and to play, not just play a little, but to play a lot this year. Well, and for these veterans, too, I think that was exactly what they needed was an influx of new talent to push them for those jobs. You look back to last year, the lack of depth, especially a corner, made it to where these guys could play absolutely terrible and there was no risk of losing your starting job because they didn't have anybody to replace you. Well, that is not the case anymore. And, um, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle, those guys had a prime, Eric Lee had a prime opportunity this spring to answer a lot of questions with his coaching staff and they didn't do it. In fact, coming out of spring ball, uh, that secondary, you know, corner and safety included, was probably still one of the biggest concerns for these coaches. And that's why they were so active in you know, late, adding late additions like a Trey Neal and Will Jackson uh, to shake this thing up because you know, they were not satisfied with where that group was. And they know, uh, you know based off the film of last year and um, I'm sure what they saw in practices, that they're going to have a lot of issues if they don't shore that secondary up in a hurry. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate, now, uh, Nate Klaus. I about said your last name wrong there, Nate. Sorry about that. Uh, we're, we're talking uh, storylines here going into fall camp. Uh, for Nebraska, and I want to talk about running back now. Seven scholarship guys going into camp, and I I think there was a thought that maybe a guy or two would not be here or not make it. Well, all seven are going to be here. Divino Zigbo, Mikhail Wilbon, Greg Bell, uh, Jalen Bradley, they were all here for spring ball. Well, Trey Bryant's back and healthy. They say he's back to his old self again. Miles Jones has been here. And Nate and I are going to talk more about Maurice Washington later, but he's here now as a true freshman. So you got seven bodies fighting back there. I know quarterback's going to get a lot of talk, and we're going to talk more about quarterback in our next segment. But, man, that running back battle and how that plays out, Robin, I think will be one of the the more interesting battles to watch on the offense. Look, you have such a wide-ranging skill set in that group alone. I mean – Divino Zigbo is so much different than Mikhail Wilbon, who's so much different than Greg Bell, who's so much more different than Maurice Washington, that uh, there's so many different um, strengths within that group that it's not out of the question to think that a good chunk of those seven guys could see the field in some form. You know, Frost mentioned Miles Jones is probably going to line up uh, in the slot just as much as he is in the backfield. So that's one way to disperse uh, some of that playing time. But I think, you know, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm still under the impression Greg Bell is the guy. And maybe Trey Bryant's recovery and how well that's been going might change that a little bit. Uh, but I think the separation between Bell and everybody else that was active this spring was pretty significant. You saw a taste of that in the spring game. Um, and so maybe, you know, we'll see what happens with Bryant. They're going to ease him in. He's still not like 100% full go. They're going to be very careful, monitor him day to day. Um, but assuming he's, you know, still got a ways to go, I think this is still Greg Bell's job. And what's interesting in the, this this best offenses that, you know, Frost has either operated or worked under, they've had a lead feature back. And so do they utilize all these guys that they have at their disposal or do they find one? There's going to be three? some form of committee, though. I mean, I, I don't know if there has can... to be in some form, but I'm just saying there's usually that one guy that takes the lion's share of the workload when it comes to true running back carries. Fourth quarter, yeah, third and one, who's getting the ball. That's yeah. really – and right now I think we all would agree Greg Bell may have the edge 
um, but we don't know what Trey Bryant's going to do. Yeah, well, exactly. the the crazy thing is, is that I mean, this could go either way. I mean, it could go the the Royce Freeman route, where he was, you know, at, at, when Scott Frost was at Oregon, he got the lion's share of the carries there. He was definitely their their workhorse guy. There was no question about that. But when you look at UCF last year, I want to say like Adrian Killens. I don't know if he had too many games where he had over 15 carries. You know, to Otis Anderson, I don't know if he, if they had too many games where you know they had 20 plus carries. And the quarterback's going to take maybe the, 10 or more carries exactly. out of there, right? Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, they can go a lot of different ways. Uh, we know that Scott Frost is very creative, and, and so with so many different talents, uh, they're going to be able to kind of mix and match and, and utilize these guys in a ton of different ways. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk some quarterback and some defense as well next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. How would I characterize the status of the quarterback competition? Like how, how close would you say it is or, and, or how, how are you going to observe it going into the next practice? Have you ever played Monopoly? Yes. And you know how the race car and the horse and the iron and the battleship are all on go to begin with? Everybody's on go right now. We might even roll a dice to see who uh, can roll a six and take the first rep. We'll see. And welcome back here to the Oscar Online Show. Sometimes the overly eager guy on day one gets maybe the best answer. I'm just saying, that was probably one of the money quotes of the day, so congrats to that guy. That was like, Nate, that guy asking the question. So he was the overly eager guy on day one of, like, the no-padded high school football practice. He was the guy that the the coaches would have to be like, okay, let's reel it in just a little bit. Tone it down. We're not wearing pads today. (laughs) No one's wearing pads. I don't want to scrimmage them. He brought it all in TV, one of the weekend guys there in Kearney, but – Nonetheless, uh, quarterback battle wide open. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus here on the Husker Online Show as Nebraska goes into fall camp, guys. And, you know, I was asked this earlier today, when would a decision have to be made? I, I think when you look at this thing, once you break into a scout team and you start preparing for Akron, I think at that point you have to make a decision on who the guy is going to be to start divvying up the reps. But then it's a matter of when you tell the media. Right. Do you Because you, you want your opponent to have to prepare more. So can Scott Frost hold all the way out until maybe the Monday presser? Or could he maybe announce it the week before? I, I think that's really how long it's going to go into camp. Yep, Scott Frost doesn't strike me as someone who's going to go out of his way to let everyone outside of the program know what's going on inside of the program, especially when there's the element of a competitive advantage involved. Uh, He has every bit of interest in letting this thing play out as long as possible publicly uh, as he can. Now, that's not to say that they can't come to a decision after the first week at camp and say, this is our guy, let's go and tell those guys internally and prepare accordingly without letting anybody else know. Um, these, these practices are going to be locked down. We're not going to see a whole lot, just like spring. And so it's a bit be easier to keep that under wraps. But, um, you know, as he said, everybody knows everything about the program anyway, so he doesn't need to go out and announce stuff because uh, it, it'll get out one way or another. But I think as the, uh, they're going to try their best to hold this thing off as long as possible just to, you know, prov- try and uh, avoid any distractions and not give Akron any uh, further advance notice on who the starting quarterback is going to be. Well, <clears throat> let's get real here. I mean, Scott Frost has been playing chess from day one. 3D chess. Yeah, 3D chess, <laughs> as the, the posters on Husker Online would say. So I don't foresee him all of a sudden going going back to playing checkers. I, I think he's going to keep this under wraps as long as possible. And, uh, yeah, he may he may – Tell the team the week before the Akron game, uh, you know, tell the quarterbacks exactly, you know, who the guy is going to be, maybe even before that. But yeah, I think he's going to try and hold on to that as long as possible. Well, and the, to their credit, they've been really good about, I think, having a very upfront dialogue with their players that not just quarterbacks, everybody, they let you know exactly where you stand, what you need to do to get mm-hmm. better, and kind of what your trajectory is looking like. So I think that's going to be definitely the case with the quarterbacks and that you're, they're, they're going to handle this thing the right way. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. As we look at this battle, though, does anyone here not think Adrian Martinez is going to be the starter by some point of the season? I still think. I mean, that's my prediction. Now, how confident I am in that prediction, I'm not sure, at least when it comes to that opener. Uh, just because, you know, it's, it, it really depends on how confident they are in Adrian being ready for that spotlight right off the bat. I um, mean, you know, I think Tristan Jebby obviously has a year of 
college football, but we didn't play. He's been around it. He watched Tanner Lee prepare for a whole year and just kind of understands what it takes to get yourself mentally ready to start a college football game as a quarterback at this level. So, you know, he like I said, he's done everything the staff has asked of him. Um, you know, he's the, the most thorough, diligent film guy you're going to find on the roster. And so he's – But does he have the physical tools? Right. And yeah. so, so – are we eliminating the possibility of this being a deal where uh, Jebius starts the year and then Martinez takes over? Uh, or, you know, do you just throw Martinez right there off the bat? I think that's going to be the ultimate deciding factor is when they think Martinez is ready. Because I think long term, he is the right choice. But is he the right choice for September 1st? Well, I don't think Mario Verduzco has you know any... I mean, I don't think he wants to play two quarterbacks. No, um, they've said that. Yeah, they. I mean, he he does not want to rotate guys or you know split series or, or whatever. He, I mean, he wants a guy. Uh, now, if there's an injury, obviously more than one quarterback is going to play this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point both these guys uh, play this year. But I think I'm expecting Adrian Martinez to to be the guy from from day one. Now, they can't worry about a guy transferring because they have. I mean, they've got more guys coming right, in. Yeah, they've they're, got 2019. Yeah, they've got Luke McCaffrey in the boat. Noah Vedrill becomes eligible. Noah Vedrill becomes eligible. I mean, they got their 2020 quarterback already wrapped up. This so. is the year they have to get through, though. This yep. is the year. Well, they got to prepare a guy this year. Whoever the guy is going to be, whether it's Adrian Martinez or, or Tristan Jebbia, they've got to make sure that that guy is, you know, has experience and is fully prepared to, to get after it uh, in, in 2019. Because even though this is not a rebuilding year, but we all know that 2019 is going to be a year where they can really, really make some noise. Well, in my mind, it comes down to who has the greatest ceiling long term. And for me, that's Adrian Martinez without question. You know, obviously, Jebbia's uh, worked his butt off to get in the position to still be in the conversation to be the starter. But, uh, I mean, Adrian Martinez was handpicked by the staff for a reason. Scott Frost wore himself down to the bone uh, to get him for a reason. I mean, he is the quarterback that they wanted from the first day they got this job. And so, uh, you know, that there's a lot of weight that comes with that. And I think, you know, if you're trying to groom a guy to be ready to go for what is setting up to be a pretty special 2019 season, Adrian Martinez is the right choice. As we talk fall camp here, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus, the other thing I really picked up on is don't expect this to be – I think everyone's like, oh, Frost is here. They're just going to run these boys in the ground and beat them in the ground. That's not the case. I mean, I, I think they'll get physical in fall camp, but I, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a different approach at times with the contact and there will be more built-in off days. That's the Chip Kelly influence on Scott Frost. He believes – on keep believes in keeping his team fresh, not over practicing them. Nutrition's obviously a big part of things, but I don't expect this to be your old school 1984 training camp where you know no water breaks and, and whatnot. I mean, it, it's you know, it, it's and he even said that he goes, we're, we're, The point of camp is not to beat our team in the ground, it's to get ready for the season. Yeah, for one, the culture of football has changed so much that you just can't do that. I mean, it's, it's not realistic. It's not to the junction yeah. boys. Yeah, you, I mean, it's just we're so far beyond that in just society. For our older listeners, Camp Curtis. Yeah. yeah. The old, uh, they, they used to, Nebraska used to take their team. And my Western Nebraska expert on the show here, Nate Klaus, can speak to Curtis, Nebraska. Uh, yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's the home of the Ag College, which there's another – I mean, East Campus is like the Ag College. But that They used to take the team out to Curtis for camp, and they just put him through hell. Bobby Reynolds, who finished third in the Heisman as a, a freshman at Nebraska, like separated his shoulder and got hurt at Camp Curtis and like never was able to play again. I mean, that, that's how it used to be, but obviously it's not like that anymore in football. So when, so when men were men. That's right. Camp <clears throat> Curtis days. Yeah, they, <laughs> everything they do is, I mean, there's a purpose behind everything they do and they, I think they operate everything, um, you know, in a smart manner and it just doesn't make sense to wear your team down uh, unnecessarily in, in fall camp. I, I think, I mean, just like Frost said at the press conference, you know, we're not waking these guys up at five o'clock in the morning to have practice. We want them to have their sleep they need to rest they need to be fresh uh, and so I, I just don't, I, they're going to be physical and that's going to be built in but at the same time they're not going to go over the top or do anything unnecessary yeah and I thought that was interesting too that you know, Frost said that they're going to continue to balance their weight training program in. and a lot of teams kind of shut that down in season but you know Frost said there's value to continuing to lift weights and 
obviously not at the level you're doing in the summer uh, to really bulk up. But he told stories about back in you know when he was playing at Nebraska, they would go to a bowl game and literally thirteen days early, yeah, bring their entire weight room down with them in trucks and set up and have basically their normal weight routine uh, to get ready for that game. You know, Nate and I talked to Zach, or we heard Zach Duvall speak, yep. and he he told the story about the Peach Bowl when. Uh, they were playing Auburn. Uh, they went down and they were lifting heavy all the way until game week, where Auburn backed off their heavy lifting almost two or three weeks before the game. And Zach Duvall's like, "That's when I knew we had a chance. We were going into this game, no feel, no no fear of failure, ready to compete." And obviously, they came out and, and dominated the line of scrimmage against a team that nobody expected UCF to win at the line of scrimmage. But uh, we come back. Um, we are going to bring in a special guest, Steve Rosen, our HuskerOnline.com business reporter has a number of different uh, things he's going to discuss as he's had extensive interviews over the year with Bill Moose, Hank Bounds, a number of other Nebraska officials and leaders about just all the things coming up and going on at Nebraska in terms of upgrades and facilities. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Both those kids did a great job going to work and trying to get done what they needed to get done. Uh, they've had some really smart and good people kind of shepherding them through the process to make sure that they uh, got finished. Uh, Jamie Vaughn and the rest of Compliance have been great to work with and, and they've done a great job with situations like that. So getting Maurice here was, was big for us and we're hopeful that it won't be long with Don. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as you just heard from Scott Frost about the situations regarding Maurice Washington and Dominic Watt. Uh, Both players appear to be academic qualifiers. For sure, Maurice Washington we know is in Lincoln. Uh, Dominic Watt is waiting on one more thing. But, Nate, let's talk about Maurice Washington. We haven't gone in depth on this on the show. This was something two, three months ago nobody thought was a possibility. We both talked to a lot of coaches from other schools and programs around the country the perception was you're wasting your time with Reese Washington. There's no way this guy academically qualifies. Iowa Western, even we had talks there. I mean, they knew. I mean, a lot of JUCOs were hoping maybe this guy could play for them if he wasn't able to get in as an academic red shirt. How did Nebraska get Maurice Washington eligible? Yeah, the prevailing thought there was that the only reason to sign Maurice Washington would be to place him at a junior college. But, uh, you know, Nebraska was was able to get it done. And, uh, I mean, they put together one heck of a plan. I, I don't know what all that plan entailed because I mean, from everything that I was told and, and know about the situation, it was about as bad as it could get. Um, and then you missed a year of high school, was expelled for a part of his senior year, Finished high school in California. Yeah, I mean, he moved. He didn't even graduate from the, the school in Texas that he played football at last fall. He, uh, he got expelled from that for a behavioral issue um, and then moved back to California. Uh, so, I mean, this kid had just about every obstacle and hurdle that you could ever want or, or uh, have in front of him. And, and he somehow got over it all. Uh, he, he made up his core credits. He, he raised his GPA. He got the test score that he needed to get on the last chance that he could take it this year. Um, and, and somehow it all, it all came together. And, and this is a, a deal where, um, I mean, you and I both know that the, the best case scenario about a month or two ago was that he was going to be an academic redshirt. There was no, I don't think there was a whole lot of optimism surrounding, you know, him actually being able to, to be eligible to play as a true freshman. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, he gets all this stuff accomplished. He, he gets admitted into the university and, and cleared through the NCAA clearinghouse, and he's, he's going to be able to, to play as a true freshman. And that's, that's huge. I, I don't know if I would expect him to come in and, and give you a ton right away. I'm not sure what type of shape he's in. Uh, I guarantee he's not in the, as bad a shape as Jordan Stevenson was when he was in a similar situation uh, a few years back. But, uh, but <laughs> it, I mean, to have him available, I mean, that's that's huge because he was one of the bigger talents that they were able to get down the stretch last year. And, and this goes back to earlier in the show. We talked about having the leadership and lockstep and, and unity together between the president, the athletic director, uh, the chancellor, everybody's on the same page and when everybody's on the same page they can communicate better and they can make things happen like we saw here with Maurice Washington. Well yeah this is this is an area where Nebraska has had an advantage over so many teams across the country. When things are on the same page. Yeah when things are on the same page. I mean forever uh, Nebraska's academic support 
system, everyone who's involved with that are, are the best in the country. And so you could take a gamble on a, on a kid who was, you know, uh, questionable academically, who, who may or may not be able to, to make it. Uh, and you could, you could go out and get a guy who a lot of other teams would just move on from. Um, you know, I, I always point back to Maurice Purify, Marlon Lucky. I mean, those, those are two players under Bill Callahan where teams – didn't even waste their time recruiting those guys essentially because there was no way that, that they were getting into school. But Nebraska's academic support uh, was well, Carl Nix in that boat. Carl Nix was in that boat too. I mean, but Nebraska's academic support system, Dennis LeBlanc and everyone in that in that program, um, I mean, they're the best in the business, and they put together a plan. Now, obviously, you can have a plan in place, but you can't make a kid do the work. And, and I think you have to tip your hat to what Maurice Washington was able to do because uh, he had probably about as much work to do as as I've ever seen because I, I was I was able to, to see his situation and it was bleak as we're talking Maurice Washington Nate I think when you look at it this is what Nebraska has to keep doing you, you, you look at the history of the program they've always found ways to maybe get a recruiting edge in an area to help them and you know go back to Bob Devaney he recruited African-American players before um, the SEC and Southwestern Conference did and mm-hmm. They destroyed Alabama in a national championship game, and Bear Bryant was like, wow, maybe I should start recruiting some African-American players uh, because these guys are making a pretty big difference um, on this stage. Uh, Tom Osborne with the Prop 48s and just the different things he did with junior college guys like Mike Rogier. Scott Frost has to find ways to create situations to get guys to Nebraska that maybe normally wouldn't come to Nebraska. Yeah, you have to take advantage of what you have. And, and unfortunately for Nebraska, they're, they're not sitting right in the middle of a recruiting hotbed. But like we mentioned, they, they've got the, the best academic support staff in the nation. And so and, and you've got uh, great junior college uh, programs right in your backyard. So so take advantage of that. Get, you know, take you have to capitalize on what you have and. Um, and for whatever reason, the, the previous staff just did not do that. I know that there were several different layers to that. But uh, so far, Scott Frost and his staff have gone out of their way to take advantage of, of what they can in, in terms of junior college players and, and recruiting some guys who are uh, on the fence academically. As we talk recruiting with Nate Klaus, um, a couple things this week. Nate, number one, August 1st was offer day, so kids got their – official written offers so you saw a lot of traction on twitter probably no real surprises though from you i mean uh, as far as maybe a guy that didn't claim an offer or claimed an offer did you see anything unique on that front yeah nothing too crazy there there's there were a few new offers uh that were that were made um that maybe we weren't aware of prior uh to to august 1st but yeah for the most part everyone who we were expecting to get an official written offer got one uh obviously all the commits got got their written official offers and uh, i mean that's a big day because so often you see these kids who who claim 30 40 different offers or whatever and maybe have six yeah and and all of a sudden august 1st rolls around and and uh their actual offer list true official offers is cut in half or more uh, but I think that uh, the the big thing that's that's kind of you know happened is is all of their targets got their official offers and and they're they're lining up uh, quite an impressive official visit uh, stretch here starting with that Akron game I, I think the the non conference is really starting to fill up and uh, and that's you know really hasn't always been the case at this point in the year uh, in years past where you're entering August and, and a lot of times you've been kind of wondering or waiting okay well when are their official visits going to start filling up? Well, Nebraska's right now, they, they've got probably close to 20 official visitors, 15, 20 guys who are already locked in for dates. Uh, so they're ahead of the curve in that respect. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting. The other thing, Nate, is the recruiting calendar turned back over. Um, prospects were allowed to visit campus. Uh, for Nebraska, it was very busy. Um, we've even seen some teams kind of do their own kind of weekend type deals friday night light lights camps um other things now nebraska hosted a number of prospects on campus here over the weekend but could you see them if the rule book and the calendar stays the, the same maybe reevaluating that and say you know what we should host 
maybe one more final big event here in late July. Yeah, I think it makes sense when when you look at the the recruiting landscape and all the teams that that did either have a, a Friday night lights or in Oregon's case they had a Saturday night lights camp. Um, there was a ton of, of quote unquote you know recruiting barbecues. I know uh, Oklahoma had their really they had their their main uh, recruiting weekend this past weekend where they had they called it their their Champ U barbecue and they had probably 30, 40 kids on campus uh, for that event. So I, I think it would. Well, you make couldn't s- be an official this weekend. It had to be unofficial. It's all unofficial, yeah. So, but I think it would make sense though for for Nebraska to at least explore maybe doing one a, more uh, save one day. Yeah, save. Save, save one day, um, you know, explore doing either a Friday Night Lights camp or at least having some sort of recruiting event because uh, really this is – that was – it kind of represents the last free weekend for a lot of these kids too because uh, they're starting their own fall camp now. So uh, in a lot of cases, I think these kids had, had kind of planned on making a trip. I was surprised how busy it was. Yeah, well, for instance, there, there, were, uh, there were 81 commitments – made last week across all of college football that that's how busy it was coming out of the dead period that one of the busier commitment weekends you're gonna see out the whole year yeah i don't i don't recall another week where there were so many kids that made decisions so uh so it's certainly i think it's something that they at least have to look at and evaluate you know see if it makes sense for them to do but uh but based off of the results from this year i think it does make sense to have some sort of recruiting event by the way nate welcome back from vacation all the, all the commits stopped when yeah. he got back in town. Wow. Nate goes on vacation, and everything in recruiting decided to happen. He wow. gets back in town, it slows down. Yeah, I, I called it, though, before I left. I, I mean, this is what happens. Whether I'm mowing my yard or, or leaving the country on vacation, uh, that's that's when the news is going to happen. So uh, so you're, you're welcome, Husker Nation. Uh, while I was gone, they what, they, they picked up Trey Neal. They, they got uh, Messiah Newsom, Nick Henrich, Logan Smothers, um, you know, who else? Uh, <laughs> there, were, there, was, there was quite a bit of action that, that went on. Uh, and it was while, all like on a gone. Friday and Saturday nights, yep. by the way, most of it. It happened, you know, on odd hours later in the evening. So fun time for Nebraska as they continue to wrap things up. But uh, there's going to be lots to follow, lots to talk about. Make sure you're on Husker online this weekend. We're also going to have a special flash sale promotion. So make sure you take advantage of that when we release that. Thanks again here for listening to Husker Online. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. And Sean Callahan now pleased to be joined by a special guest in studio uh, in town from Kansas City. You may have been reading his work now on the site for about the last year. Uh, but Steve Rosen, who covers sports business for Husker Online, really one of the first guys ever to do it in the Nebraska uh, athletic world market for us, um, has brought some great content to the site on a weekly or m- a monthly basis. And uh, wanted to bring Steve in just to talk about some of the things he's been working on. He's done a lot of stories on how Nebraska spends their money, on how many, uh, how much money they're getting from the Big Ten, uh, the, the the contract of Scott Frost, all, all the things that a lot of fans are very interested in. But first of all, welcome to the, the studio and welcome to Lincoln, Steve. Well, thanks, Sean. It's, it's great to be here. Uh, Big Red Business. Uh, it's, a, it's a topic that uh, – a lot of Nebraska fans are passionate about, and and uh, I'm just uh, happy to be uh, uh, working with you and contributing to Husker Online's content. No, we're pleased to have you, and I, I think um, when you you've been able, you've covered kind of the financials of things and your own syndicated columns for years in Kansas City and around the country. But when you look at just the the way Nebraska athletics. Uh, the money coming in, the way they spend the money and everything. What, what are some of the biggest things that have jumped out to you? Well, first of all, uh, it's a big pool. Um, uh, the revenue that they generate from, from tickets alone is impressive. Uh, that would, that would uh, uh, make many in the athletic department uh, across the country happy just to have that type of ticket revenue. The, one of the things that uh, – a couple of the things that jumped out at me was uh, – when you look at uh, some of the the uh, contracts that Nebraska has with, say, with Adidas, uh, the, the fact that they've uh, they've put themselves in a in a situation there where uh, the revenue uh, should continue to 
um, to rise, that they, they actually have a clause in that contract, something that very few other schools around the country have that allows them to revisit the amount of uh, revenue that uh, Adidas is providing so that uh, Nebraska will continue to be on the cutting edge and, and be one of uh, uh, Adidas's uh, best uh, collegiate clients. I mean, that's smart. That's smart business, and uh, that means more dollars uh, coming into the athletic department. The other, uh, the other number that I thought was very interesting, uh, I think, was kind of finally revealed in the uh, athletic department's uh, budget uh, for this, this new fiscal year that started July 1st. Um, and I think it answered the question that's been on everybody's minds uh, for several years, and that is, how big is the paycheck from the Big Ten? How big is that revenue sharing? That's why we made the move. Buy? That's why Nebraska made this move for this big paycheck that's coming this year, right? Well, and now we now we know that number. It's uh, it's about fifty five million dollars. Uh, uh, some of that is uh, from um, uh, NCAA revenue sharing, but virtually all of it, to quote uh, John Jens, Nebraska's CFO, uh, is from Big Ten revenue sharing. Fifty five million dollars. You compare that to what. Uh, the amount of revenue uh, sharing that Nebraska had back in the day with uh, Big 12. the Big 12. And uh, you also compare it to the PAC-12 uh, the Pac conference, some of the, the numbers they have. Uh, they've had some issues there um, with uh, generating enough uh, television revenue. Uh, Nebraska is, uh, has struck a very favorable financial deal with, with the Big 10. What was it in the final in the final years of the Big Twelve? Was it about um, twelve million, ten million for Nebraska per year? I think it was like eight eight to twelve million, not not even close. Uh, and if you look at the uh, the Big Twelve this year, I think the revenue uh, that revenue number is about is in 30, 35. 35, 36 million. And I, I don't honestly, I don't understand how it's that high when Texas already gets their own piece of that Longhorn network on the side. Um, you know, I don't. I really don't understand how they're even getting that much, other than the fact they can sell it for a pretty high price tag with just ten teams, and they play nine conference games. Well, it uh, it really makes, at least from a financial point of view, it makes Nebraska's move to the the Big Ten all the more relevant, and uh, especially you know in the financial financial world, that's that's money that uh, um, Nebraska, for example, has been able to uh, increase. Uh, the amount of scholarship money they're handing back to the university. $10 million per year, right? $10 million. Yeah, they double double. Does that. anybody else, from what you've been able to research, do anything close to what Nebraska is doing on that end of it? Because $10 million a year, I mean, when you talk about in-state tuition, that is a lot of kids that could get scholarships off in-state tuition alone. Um, I haven't looked at those numbers uh, with other schools. I know Texas, uh, Oklahoma, a few other schools, a few other schools, uh, uh, are able to uh, put money, take money out of the uh, the surplus out of the athletic department uh, coffers and uh, write a check to the university general fund to be used for scholarship money. There aren't many that that do it. Uh, and you're right, ten million dollars spread over a couple of thousand students uh, um, that makes a significant difference in the tuition bill. We're joined by Steve Rosen here, a Husker Online sports business writer, talking about a number of topics. I want to talk about President Hank Bounds. You've been able to really get to talk to uh, Hank a few times now and kind of before, before everything hit the fan this past year. I remember we did kind of a big summer sit-down interview. You did it with him in Ju July maybe or August of last year. And little did we know how much things were going to change in Nebraska back then. But um, just your impressions of President Bounds as a leader – um, just getting a chance to get to know him really before a lot of people around the state got to know him when he was involved in the moose hire and the I-Course firing on top of bringing in Scott Frost. Well, I've had, um, I mean, just some, some phone conversations with Hank, but I will say that uh, when you get a call on a Friday evening uh, around the dinner hour from the, you know, from the president of the— Not just Lincoln, the whole, the whole system. The whole system. Uh, from the president of the university system uh, calling you asking if you have some time uh, available on a Saturday afternoon for a for a chat uh, that gets your attention um, I wasn't going to say no to that possibility um, and we wound up chatting um, we were I was doing a story at the time on 
on um, how Nebraska was could conceivably start spending all of this all of this Big Ten money, all of this Adidas money. What were they going to do with the money? That was uh, the the story that <laughs> they were I was going to make a bunch of coaching changes. What that's what they're going to do with the money, right? Well, I th- I think I I discovered why he wanted to answer that question rather than having the the current AD at the time respond to that because uh, this was early September of uh, 2017. So. Um, now I think it's clear to me why Hank Bounds felt that uh, he needed to be the voice on that on that story. Uh, he uh, he called me on a Saturday afternoon uh, while he was um, waiting for one of his kids to finish a high school football practice, uh, and he was driving around in his car. And uh, we we chatted at that time about uh, uh, the topic at hand and, and other topics as well. It went on for more than an hour. And I'm, I think that if uh, his son's practice had gone on for another hour, uh, we would have continued going. Uh, I got the impression there that, uh, I mean, he was a straight shooter, uh, very personable, um, likes talking to people. Um, coach football at one time. And coach football at one time, something, uh, you know, a tidbit that uh, he was uh, uh, reluctant to, to talk a lot about, but he definitely knows X's and O's as well as the dollar signs. And uh, I was very favorably impressed with him. He seemed like, you know, an adult in the room. Yeah, he's and not a stuffy academic type guy. He's definitely, you know, a former high school teacher. And you mentioned coached football at one time, has more of a farming background um, for Mississippi. Exactly. And uh, I was also impressed that uh, here he was taking time out on a Saturday afternoon while his son was at a high school football practice. And uh, I mean, the guy is dedicated to his family, but he also, um, I mean, he was, he was available to, to chat. I've had a couple of other brief conversations with him uh, uh, since I've been writing about uh, uh, about Nebraska athletics and, and business. And uh, he's always uh, been a straight shooter. If he said he couldn't answer the question, um, you know, he, he didn't hedge and, and haw. Well, we got just about a minute left, but as far as new things coming down the pipe for Nebraska that you, we've already talked about, LED lights in the stadium, that's one of them, but a couple other bigger things that will be going on for Husker fans to keep their eyes on as well, right? Well, certainly um, I think people um, in parts of the stadium are going to find the, uh, the you know, the concessions are going to be a little easier to get to. I mean, Nebraska is trying to improve the fan experience. The LED lighting should be top flight. Um, they have the best company in the country that uh, installed the lighting, and I've been told that this will eliminate the uh, massive uh, uh, bug problems that uh, <laughs> afflicted people, uh, particularly in the you know East. I didn't know West bugs stadium. could get that big. I um, mean, some of those bugs that flew around those uh, those East Stadium lights were the size of like little dinosaurs up there. Uh, I'm thinking the Miami home game about uh, what three years ago. Uh, I was there. I witnessed it. <laughs> Not pleasant, uh, but uh, no. I think uh, you know the stadium continues to be a crown jewel, but you know it's aging. The in- infrastructure needs to be dealt with every year they're looking at um, you know the south stadium is it's not on the drawing cards right now um, partly um, as we've written there's uh, a reason why they're not touching it though right now i think there's a, there's bigger plans in place uh abs- i think absolutely and uh, the economy uh, particularly the farm economy is is tough right now and the university system is doing some belt tightening so from a pol- university political standpoint this isn't the time to do it and i i don't think they want to rush in you have new people making the decisions from the you know from bill moss uh, you know you also have a new head football coach you have new people relatively speaking in in the top two positions within the university system so all the decision makers have to get on board but uh I would expect that it's at some point sooner rather than later that um, there'll be some some firm plans. Well, Steve, uh, everybody enjoys your work on Husker Online. Thanks for taking some time. I know you're in town from Kansas City, so thanks for taking some time to visit us here in our new Husker Online offices. Thank you, Sean. It's a pleasure, and thanks uh, to all the readers for for, uh, all the feedback I've received. I enjoy it. Well, much more to come here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. We'll close things out with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.